trigger warning for brutal descriptions of murder um, and viscera. In case you don't want to hear about that, uh, feel free to just kind of skip this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Welcome back, guys, gals, non-binary pals. It's been a minute. It's been something. It's been something. But we're back. It's been a while since we... Yeah, we're back. It's been a while since we recorded. Um, I think real life kind of shook things up a little bit. Uh, In between the time of our last recording, um, I got engaged. Oh, yeah, she did. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, the holidays for America. We had Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, And just kind of, I think, towards the end of the year, everything gets super busy. And then before you know it, it's New Year. Oh, yeah. And both of us are like, we're working as well. So the end of the year stuff just comes along and completely... When you're both readers and you're both writers, you're, like, consumed by so much content, it makes your brain kind of fried by the end of the day. So it's hard to record. It's hard to even read, the like, the research that we do ahead of time oh, yeah. um, for these podcasts to even, like, sit down and read something and then have all this research to come to the podcast and be like, all right, here's my research, here's mm-hmm. what I've done. Because I feel like this, we're trying to make this very fact-based yes. um, in all aspects, whether that's magic manuscripts or mysteries yeah we have pages upon pages of outlines for most of these recordings so it takes a while to actually get all of what we want together and then talk about it and then record it so (laughs) take some time and when you're when you're both people who spend time with a lot of reading and writing it it's difficult to keep doing the reading and writing but we're back and hopefully we're going to continue this schedule again (laughs) Yeah. And so with that, with our mysteries, I am super excited to talk about Jack the Ripper. Um, Between our break, I actually ended up reading one of May's favorite books, which was Stalking Jack the Ripper, um, which I think kind of started off this conversation (laughs) of we should do a debate and kind of talk about whether it was a male or a female that was the killer. Yeah, I highly recommend that book, though, to everyone, Stalking Jack the Ripper fantastic really well done has a lot of actual interesting historical stuff placed in it as a historical fiction type book so i absolutely recommend that for you guys if you're intrigued by anything we read today we also have another book that both of us read that we used as research that uh you actually recommended for us to read Mm-hmm. Just called The Five. Yeah. Amazing. The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper by Hallie Rubenhold, who is an amazing mm-hmm. writer who has another book coming out, I believe, either in 2023 or 2024. Wow. Um, she is a historian, um, and she writes novels as well as nonfiction. And today, this was The Five is a nonfiction novel, mm-hmm. or nonfiction book, not a novel. <laughs> um, it was quite good. And it really dives into the five canonical women that Jack the Ripper have killed and kind of not only giving them a name and basically kind of going through their last days as well as an overview of their entire lives, it kind of gives them back their agency mm-hmm. um, posthumously, I'd say. Definitely. And most of the time when you hear about Jack the Ripper, which we'll go into a little bit of detail about who that is if you don't know who he is or 
basically who they are uh, <laughs> uh, for this, but you get to understand these women as people because they're kind of just known as victims. You have an understanding of who they are, and it's very minimal and very small within the whole lore of Jack the Ripper. And so with that, I'd like to kind of go into who was Jack the Ripper. Um, I don't know about you, May, but for me, I've only kind of had a very baseline knowledge of Jack the Ripper. Basically, Mm -hmm. I knew he was a killer in London. I know he was a serial killer. Um, And I knew he killed women. And I knew it was a brutal murder each time. But I didn't know anything beyond that. So I didn't know the victim's names. I didn't know... um, his like timetable or anything and to be quite honest i knew it was like the 1800s but i didn't know like what time period either yeah um or like what was relevant around that time period yeah i knew so yeah i knew a lot about the case but i do have to say even when you do learn a lot about the case there is such little research and light shown to the women who were actually murdered (laughs) because i knew a lot about who Jack the Ripper was, what he was doing. Uh, Not who he necessarily killed, but I knew, like, the dates in which it happened. And then I also knew it was, like, you know, the five people. And then I knew theories on who it was because there's so many theories that I kind of went down a rabbit hole every so often. Plus, there's so much, like, literature, but also movies made on it, I believe. There's one that has uh, Johnny Depp in it, I want to say. <laughs> but it's it's something that I've always been kind of interested in. I don't know why. It's very dark, very scary. But as soon as I heard it, I was like, I kind of want to figure out who this is type thing. So I had a lot of knowledge, but I never thought about looking into the women's lives in which the way that Hallie uh, Rubenholt did which I think is actually essential to understanding the case now. So Jack the Ripper um, was a serial killer in Whitechapel District of London's East End, and he was killing between August and November of 1888. Now, there are a couple of murders that um, are on the periphery of Mm -hmm. these five canonical people um, that kind of, I believe they're after the five. Yeah. and a lot of people are saying, like, it could be him, it could be copycats, which is something that's very prevalent after, um, once the public is made aware of a serial killer, there are copycat murders that can kind of come um, across. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they're not uh, quote-unquote canonical. Um, so why is he or she so prevalent to this day? The case is still unsolved. Um, there are many theories. There were over a hundred suspects at one point. However, no one has been technically charged with all of these murders. Yep. Um, and it's created this once I think once a serial killer is named and has a name that even gives it some sort of um, an elevated status. And especially when it's unsolved, they have a name. There's some sort of almost morbid interest mm-hmm. that comes across. And I'd say like, because of that, there is a multitude of literature and movies. Even to this day, we're talking about um, Stalking Jack the Ripper, yep. which is a, a fiction book that came out like three years ago. Um, and it's still it's still kind of pervasive in, in the society. It's still here. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think also like the fact that they had over a hundred people for this case, that was a possibility and the newspapers were all over it helped kind of, I guess like immortalize whoever this is Mm -hmm. for like the rest of, I don't know. I don't want to say the rest of history, but definitely for those who are into more of the morbid stuff, the criminal investigations, I feel like Jack the Ripper is such a huge name because of how big it was blown, not out of proportion, but it was blown up in the media. And also, Mm -hmm. you have a hundred or more people. It was really hard to catch this person. Yeah. And this, of course, we know this. This is before the time of street cameras Mm -hmm. and DNA testing. So it can be exceedingly hard yes. uh, to, to find a killer at this point in time. Whereas mm-hmm. t- these days, like, there was just that serial killer in California, and they caught him within a matter of weeks. Yeah. Um, so during this time, 1888, technology is not where it currently is, of course. Nope. And yeah. you don't have any way to record or see who it is. You only have eyewitness accounts. Mm-hmm. And to kind of set the stage for what... Uh, like East End Whitechapel, England looked like. Um, The Queen's Jubilee, uh, Queen Victoria, had just come that summer, which means that I believe she was coronated. Um, So there was, you know, all these parties um, in in the gardens and kind of all these really exciting um, moments for the people. However, when you have this kind of excitement, there's also the drawback of a lot of working class people, there was um, a lot of homeless and impoverished people mm-hmm. who were kind of flooding into London during that summer as well. Uh, so you had a lot of homeless uh, adults, whether they were coupled up or not. Um, a lot of people working in workhouses and kind of not exactly tenement houses, um, but there were these buildings that housed people and they kind of would turn an eye um, mm-hmm. as long as you were paying per day or per week, whatever mm-hmm. it was. So that's kind of the setting there. Is It's very impoverished. Um, people kind of migrant, I'd say. Um, and not quite nomadic because they're all within this area. But uh, there was no real... If you, if you were to take a census of the area, it'd be very hard to do so because everyone's kind of migrating. Yeah, and sometimes people don't tell the truth uh, on their censuses or sensei, mm-hmm. sen- census. Sen- What's the plural of census? I don't know. On, just on the census. Just on the census. They would lie. Uh, one of the women did eventually do that. Uh, we'll get into that a little deeper. But it's very impoverished people especially women don't have the funds to really support themselves you have to support yourself through marrying a man essentially Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't work out you're kind of left on your own and left on the streets um maybe you'll luck out with one of them being able to pay for your living sometimes that doesn't work out so you end up on the street somewhere and it's not clean it's incredibly dirty there's lots of vermin running around um there is yellow smog everywhere, apparently, mm-hmm. which I have never heard of such a thing. I assume smog looks gray. So it's one, it's uncleanly. It's extremely dangerous, uh, especially if you're a woman. And a lot of it is like a ton of poor people in a very small congested space. And not to mention there's tuberculosis. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you're living in these very close communities with not a lot of medical knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. 
it was very easy for people to become sick and to spread it across like families as well as yep. um, those who are, it's kind of like COVID where it's <laughs> in any area. It's, I mean, technically tuberculosis is, is an extended uh, period of time yeah. is when you can get it. Um, and COVID's a very short amount of period of time. Yep. Um, a short exposure versus a long exposure, but that is how it came to be. And so a lot of people were getting sick, mm-hmm. um, which meant that there were a lot of dead. It was just a very dark time <laughs> for, for London. Yes. Um, and then I'd say to um, one of our, our first victims, who is Mary Ann Nichols, um, she went by Polly, right? Yes, she went by Polly. I was going to say, she is she is one of the first victims that is canonical. Um, and she actually did face um, one of the situations where uh, her hus- she left her husband yes. after she found that he was cheating on her. Oh, yep. Um, and she was, you know, kind of had to leave their nice building that they were a part of that mm-hmm. was housing for families that were um, had low income. Mm-hmm. And she had to face the situation of, do I go to a workhouse where you have to hand over all your belongings and get paid a certain amount of money, which would then basically go back to the workhouse? Um, Or do I live homeless on the streets, which has its own dangers? Um, And then, you know, there's, there's really no options for women during these periods of time. And so when we're talking about these five canonical murders and they're all women, it feels very, it feels as though when you don't give women the same equal rights, (laughs) this is more likely to happen, especially during this time period when, Mm -hmm. when it's very hard to make your own money. It's hard to make your own way as a single woman, whether you are tied to someone or not. Yeah, and to go into a little bit, uh, if you don't know what exactly the conditions were in workhouses, they were sometimes worse than being on the street. They were horrific. Mm -hmm. You didn't get really that much food. You didn't get much sleep. You were basically just enslaved to the state in these workhouses. So really, you have to be in such a desperate situation, which Polly, it seemed like it was fairly desperate that she Mm -hmm. ended up just going and telling the workhouse people she needed support, which eventually she got support from her estranged husband. And (laughs) it was only theorized that he was cheating, but then it came to fruition when... The woman he was actually cheating on with uh, and him devised a way to get the money, basically not have to pay poor Polly any money, which is how she ended up on the street. So Polly was found um, on August 31st. So that was the first murder. Mm -hmm. Um, So almost all of these women that we're going to be talking about when we're talking about Jack the Ripper um, were... Uh, slit by their throat and then also disemboweled yes and when we're talking about the disemboweling it was a lot of times around the uterus area that they were Mm -hmm. disemboweled also probably should have mentioned this is gonna be very detailed i am sorry (laughs) if you were grossed (laughs) out so our second victim is annie chapman and so she was found uh september 8th now when we're talking about cooldowns for serial killers, which I don't think we've talked about before. No. Um, usually a killer will kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is some sort of cooldown period, which could be 
hours, days, weeks, months, years. It kind of depends on the killer and their mental uh, status at that point in time. Yes. Yeah. So for these two killings, it was August 31st and then September 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Elizabeth Stride, who was found September 30th. So we have a fairly, um, you know, we have a short period of time for a cool down, and then we have a longer period of time. It's interesting that we have, like, a death at the beginning and the end of the months. That, Not that that's yeah. exactly a pattern, but just something I kind of notice as I'm looking at these dates. Yeah. Um, and so Elizabeth Stride was killed, and then we also then found Catherine or Kate uh, Edo, Ed, Edos? Edowise? 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 I don't know. <laughs> um, she, they were killed within 45 minutes of each other, which was the first time that this had ever happened with one of the Jack the Ripper murders. Mm-hmm. Um, people called it the, quote, double event. So Stride was found at 1 a.m. with her throat cut, but the rest of her body had not been mutilated. There is speculation that the person who found her at 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, scared off the killer. And yeah. so that interrupted their usual um, modi operandus, like their their usual way of killing. Um, then at 1.45 a.m., so only 45 minutes later, the second victim, Catherine, was found. Um, this killing was quite uh, brutal. Mm-hmm. And they had mutilated her face. Mm-hmm. And then the killer had also removed uh, her uterus and her left kidney. The left kidney is going to be important because it might play a part in a different uh, <laughs> portion later on. Any point in your so, life, you would have to say the kidney is going to play an important part. It is yeah, yeah. intense. <laughs> and then there is a bit of a cool down from September 30th. So there's two killings. And then on November 9th, so about a month and change later, mm-hmm. Mary Jane Kelly was found. Um, she had been virtually skinned down to the bone. Mm-hmm. Um it was such a horrific mutilation that her lover, Joseph Barnett, was only able to identify her by her eyes and her ears. Mm-hmm. Those are the five canonical murders. Um, there are, like I said, a couple on the periphery that people aren't quite sure. They speculate whether it actually is Jack the Ripper's killer killings or not, but there's been no definite proof. And so I assume that there's some sort of copycat killer going on. Yeah, yeah, which is sadly kind of normal. And so you might be wondering, mm-hmm. how do we know his name is Jack? Well, we don't. Um, so after the double event, which is the two killings of Edowise and Stride, the police uh, made a letter public, which had been sent a couple days previously, um, to the, the London News Agency, which is like their, their news, uh, like their New York Times, mm-hmm. essentially. It was written in red ink, and it was supposed to be written by the killer, and it was signed with the name Jack the Ripper. And of course, once the police made this letter public, as they often do with these kinds of things when they can't find the killer and they're hoping for kind of some information, the, the media and the like um, surrounding area caught on to that name and it made it into what is now an international phenomenon. And like I said, I think once you add a name to a killer, it really elevates who they are. Yes. And then, of course, when this happens, all of these fake letters come flooding in um, 
as people are wont to do when there is a some sort of scene like this when there is a a killing it's like uh, a spectacle yeah it's like sensationalizing the horrifying events that had occurred and then based on our reading for the five um Hallie Rubenhold puts in a really interesting narrative here where Mm -hmm. for the past decades centuries (laughs) um people have always assumed that these five women were prostitutes because they were killed um, in dark alleyways and, um, you know, they were either single or, like, unattached women. Mm-hmm. And the assumption was that Jack the Ripper had taken these women uh, to... Have his way with them is how we're going to... Well, I was I was going <laughs> to say to um, sex work. Um, yeah, yeah proposition them i suppose i guess Um, yeah and so so he brought them to a dark alley is what they were assuming um and solicit them that's i think that's the correct yeah i think so too um and ruben hold puts something really interesting in the first couple of chapters of her book where she says what if we peel back and look at these women's lives Mm -hmm. and as she does so, you find that these women, except for one who had been, I believe, noted as a... In a different country. A in a different country. Uh, oh, in a different country. It was a different country. It was in Sweden. I want to say Elizabeth Stride, which was one of the double murders. She mm-hmm. was actually noted in Sweden as a prostitute, but... There's even some weird stuff involving that that we can go in a little deeper, but um, yeah, the rest of them probably were not prostitutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and I have a note here that says Stride had resorted to soliciting only occasionally and like during periods of like desperate poverty, but there's no evidence to show that she was a prostitute or like soliciting when she was murdered. Yeah, Um, yep. She's the only one that was known to have some sort of history with it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when you have that for one victim, it's very easy to kind of just assume like a sweeping broad generalization across the board yep. that all of these women were then prostitutes. Um, and Ruben Hold says that the notion that he is a murderer uh, of prostitutes was based off of misogynistic and class-based prejudices, yep. um, which were very common during this Victorian era. And so she instead offers up this secondary idea, which is Jack the Ripper killed these women while they were sleeping Mm -hmm. because, you know, dark alley, you might think you're safe in a dark alley. And if you have, if you're homeless and have really no other options, that might be the safest place for you to sleep. Yes. Um, Yes. Or the only place that you find would be where you could sleep. And um, he might have stumbled across a woman that was sleeping yes. and then been like, this is an easy murder. And the, um, the main commonality that you can actually tie between every single one of these women is that they suffered from alcoholism. So mm. they all were drunk, most likely, on the night that they were killed. So I do wonder, too, if... Uh, I mean, I, I know that she does talk about that. Like, I know for Polly, she did drink a little bit. I do wonder um, if that alcoholism is is mentioned 
based on again another like misogynistic yes yeah probably thing as well so i i wonder if we're just kind of layering on things at this point and if you peel back who they really were um if if any of them i know that one of them actually had family members who sent them away because they Mm. were such a horrific alcoholic i can't remember if that was kate was that kate one of them was like such a horrific alcoholic that they got sent away. But Polly drank a little uh, when she was married. Mm-hmm. And then her husband tried to say she was an alcoholic. And then I think she eventually did drink a lot. But yeah. once again, could just be the misogyny of the time. Say these women who actually had like one beer are alcoholics. Right. So. Yeah. And this is also a time period where if you weren't ladylike, mm-hmm. like you were kind of labeled with this, the stigma of whatever it was that you were doing that was unladylike. So like mm-hmm. if you have like a drink, which like in today's society is fine. Yeah. Automatically you get, you get labeled with that alcoholic label um, just for enjoying a, a nice cold <laughs> <laughs> nice cold Drink. beverage. Uh, yeah. Which, like, also, I th- believe this was during the time of some prohibition mm. going on throughout the churches. So it was really much against drinking. So could also play a key role in this as well. And so kind of going into these these killings, these women were killed in a very brutal way. Their throats were slashed. They were semi-disemboweled, except for one or two who Mm -hmm. it seems like he was interrupted he or she the killer was interrupted while killing and going back to that kidney that i mentioned earlier in one instance there was half of a human kidney which had presumably been extracted from a murder victim and was mailed to the police after that first letter had been released and that's where that kind of comes back to play however if we're thinking about the fact that there were a flooding of letters that came to the police after mm-hmm. that first letter was released. It may have been, and, they, and they're able to tell that it was a human kidney. However, there's no real way of ever knowing if it was that woman's kidney yes. or if it was just like literally anything else. Yeah. Um, and we always have to think in the back of our heads that there are copycat killers um, and there are people trying to make their way into like the narrative of this. Mm-hmm. And, like, sensationalize it. So something to keep in mind when we're talking about all of this is that not everything is as it seems. And if this were in today's, like, society and technology, we could probably easily identify whose kidney it was. Yes. Yeah. So with that, there are over 100 suspects that we've talked about. But um, while I was doing research, I did find a couple that were um, kind of... Not like the main ones, but some ones that had suspicious timing in, in how this yeah. all came up to be. So Montague Druitt was a barrister and a teacher with an interest in surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you have a barrister so someone and a teacher who's someone very high up in society, I would assume. He has interest in surgery, so he might have been he might have had some knowledge of, you know, disembowelment. Um and then also being looking looking at a body and being like, oh, that's the kidney, and take that out. However, he was said to be insane, which, yep. okay, when we talk about that term in the Victorian era, it can be, it is a label for a lot of things. Um, and usually they'd call you, like, quote, mad in England, I would say. Um, English people, tell us, s- do they call you mad? <laughs> and so 
I think when we're looking at that term insane, we have to look at it in the lens of oh, the Victorian yeah. era, which means that he could have been mentally ill. He, you know, there, there could be a variety of things. So you have to look at that with a certain lens. But he did disappear after the final murders. Um, and he was later found dead. So that's something. And when you think about the fact that the cool down period escalated and then de-escalated, it makes me think that this killer, because usually after a period of time, the killer will escalate his killings. And that's when he kind of, mm-hmm. I, did, I hate to say the word snaps, but that's when the, yeah. the killer continues to kill with a with a fast a faster pace the, and a faster yeah. timetable. The theory is is that with each kill, the cooldown should shorten for the killer for the most part. Not should, but it, it has shortened for most of the serial killers. So that when they get to more of a rapid pace, you can tell that they're either heading towards what they actually want to do. And these are fantasies of what they want to do. Or they're something has triggered them to go faster. And so my assumption based on that is that the reason why we never got there um, and it took months because we had September to November in that last one, Mm -hmm. not looking at the other ones that are on the periphery, we never got to have that de-escalation, which makes me think either the killer left the country Mm -hmm. or was killed or was jailed institutionalized yeah right so that those are my kind of three things that i and that's why i feel that we never saw a de-escalation was because they were either killed Mm -hmm. left or institutionalized so this is one suspect who disappeared after these murders and then was killed or was found dead michael ostrog ostrog was a russian criminal and a physician he had been placed in an asylum because of his homicidal tendencies now (laughs) That right there, pretty good um, indication of he's already has a criminal background. And usually when we have serial killers, they have some sort of background that is criminal Mm -hmm. or um, sadistic. Uh, He's a physician, which means that he has the knowledge of the the medical background that you would need. And then he, he was placed in an asylum later on because of his homicidal tendencies. Now, when I looked at my research, I don't have a timetable for when all of this occurred for him. Um, but it was listed as he was one of the suspects, so I have to assume it was during this time period, and then he was placed in asylum afterwards. And then we have Aaron Kaminsky. Um, so he was a resident of Whitechapel, who was known to have a great um, animosity towards women, particularly prostitutes, which, with saying what we've said about these women and that the fact that they are not prostitutes, most likely... Yes. It kind of shaky ground, but with the assumption that that's how the police were looking at these women... This would have been a good suspect. Yeah. He was hospitalized in an asylum several months after the last murder. So again, these three that I'm talking yeah. about were either found dead or put in an asylum where they could not yeah. um, continue to kill, presumably. But for Kosminski, it was a couple months after the killing. So I feel like mm-hmm. with the, the rapid pace of the killings there, I don't know. Having months after, I wonder what would have happened to cause him to stop then. Yeah. And I think that's why I think his, the timetable of Jack the Ripper is so interesting is because you have August, then September, and then you have November. Yeah. Very interesting. the fact that that timetable of September to November is so large, it makes me wonder if 
I don't know if, if there was not the right opportunity, if he wasn't de-escalating yet, if he was able to kind of control his impulses, which would then, I don't know, lead you to have that several months of time before Kaminsky was able to go and be hospitalized. I, I hate to say this because it's like, it, I'd be super curious to know, like, of course, what was in his head, Jack the Ripper, yeah, and why this timetable fluctuates so much. My only thought would be that it wasn't, London wasn't always the place where this person was living could be a reason. They could be moving around, mm-hmm. so their killings could have been sporadic because they weren't always here. But yeah, they the strangeness and when they were all killed, the timetable is just really, just really odd. It's like one a month. Or, or two. in one case it was two, yeah. Which, it just feels yeah. like that should have been the the escalation or the, sorry the de-escalation should have been there at the two killings yeah right and, but then it doesn't because then you would assume that the timetable would 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 speed up for him and his cooldown would shorten but it doesn't it exactly grows. exactly and so i wonder if it's because he almost got caught on the on the first killing of that night of the double event but if we're and so he got yeah but, oh, go ahead but if we're saying that then why send a letter in the mail with that one woman's kidney. If it is Jack that sent that. And right. why I feel like that is come get me. Come find mm-hmm. me. That wouldn't cause that immense amount of cooldown that I feel like would speed it up. I wonder if it's more of like a calculation yeah. of like could be. The double event, the letter's released. Mm-hmm. He's if he does send this letter, he sends a letter with a kidney. Yeah. Of like you almost caught me and you didn't get me. Here's a letter. Come find me. They can't find him. He kills again. One last time. I don't, yeah, that is a dramatic, dramatic way of the timeline working. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll, I mean, we won't know what happens after that, that last killing either. Yeah. You, like I said, he was like died. He, I mean, again, tuberculosis. <laughs> like Tuberculosis. Been, yeah. Typhoid yeah. fever. You've got scarlet fever. There's a ton of things going around because people are living in small, small mm-hmm. spaces with a lot of people. I mean, we might never know. Probably won't. Um, Probably will never know. But when looking at if Jack the Ripper was Jill the Ripper, oh, I yeah. know, May, you have quite a few ideas in that realm. So I'd love to hear what you've been kind of looking at for your research. Oh, yeah. No. So, okay. A lot of people assume... Jack Ripper could only be a man based off the violent ends that these women have faced. Um, And also the assumption that they were all prostitutes would mean most likely a man would have killed them. But I've heard a lot of interesting theories about there being a woman being Jack the Ripper, specifically with maybe these women trusted another woman. So in a lot of these cases, these women were said to have been intoxicated upon their death. Uh, so it would make sense if another woman came up and was like, oh, do you do you need help? And took them towards an alley, and that's close enough to slit their throat. Also, might be a midwife. If you're a midwife, you would have some anatomical knowledge of the uterus as well as probably the kidney. You'd understand a little bit of that as well. And if you're a midwife, it would be kind of normal for you just to walk around with blood on you. 
during birth, there's a lot of fluids and everything. So to see a midwife covered in blood in any time of the day, it would just make sense. Um, so you have to think of all of the different areas. Like, so this woman could have easily lured other women to help them, could have had the anatomical knowledge. But there is also one person that a lot of people kind of believe could be, I guess, maybe Jill the Ripper, for however you want to say it. Jack, Jill, <laughs> Jackie, I don't know, uh, is Mary Percy. She was actually charged for the murder of her lover's wife, and she was hanged for this offense after all of the Jack the Ripper killings happened. Mary Percy fell on hard times, just like most of the women that were killed, well, all of the women that were killed by Jack the Ripper, except for for Mary, she had a man and the things didn't work out. And she, the man actually ended up getting another woman just like her pregnant. And so one day she kind of snapped, invited this woman over for some tea, which goes into that idea of, oh, woman trust other woman type thing. She then proceeded to slit the woman's throat and smother the newborn baby, basically, and left their bodies in the street. So for her, it very much could have been a sense of self-loathing, seeing these other women walking around, drunk in state, also living a similar life to Mary. So she could very much have been the killer because of how close it was in the way she killed this other woman. And if we're going back to the timeline, she was killed right after the Jack the Ripper killings. And that would have explained maybe the cooldown, not the lack of cooldown, but also the cooldown could maybe be associated. I would have to look at the timeline with when she was with this man and if they got if he got mad with her and kicked her out and then she took out her anger on other women who were a lot like her. But those are some of the ways that this could have been, this could have been a woman type thing because women were also not recognized during this time. So why would you ever suspect a woman? Maybe the letter was a way of being like, you know, I'm not getting recognition for my killing. Jack the Ripper, that is my name. So that's, those are some of my theories. And I know, I know you have some rebuttals there. I do. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting that theory there that women trusting women, because a lot of my research I was doing also coincides with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to point out too, that that might explain why the cooldown is so different is because yeah. the model that we usually look at for serial killers tends to lean on like the male side of things. Cause there are so many more male serial killers versus female serial True, killers. True. Yeah. When we're talking about serial killers, I mean, there are exceptions to the rules. There is Fred and Rose West, specifically Rose West, who was, you know, just mm -hmm. so brutal. And then there's also Eileen Warnos. So there are always, of course, exceptions to the rule. Now, the reason why I believe it is a man, um, men typically kill in a more vicious way. That's kind of the the research that has been proven, that women women are typically more of the slow poisoners like they will mm -hmm. poison someone or they'll kill in a less quote messy way and that kind of goes back to what is assumed off of gender norms mm -hmm. um where the the woman kind of it's it's assumed that the woman typically thinks if they're going to kill i don't want it to be messy because then i'm gonna have to clean it up 
And that's kind of like what I've been finding yeah. and what I've kind of known from watching other things. Um, and also during this time period, men had a lot of freedom in what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So if a man wanted to go to be a physician or a doctor, as long as he had the money and like the, the right background, he could do it no problem. And he would go to some sort of observatory room and they would like train him how to be a doctor, which included a lot of like dissecting. Mm-hmm. Whereas women were not allowed to, or they were not allowed to practice, but if a woman was of the right background and had an interest in it, they were allowed to study but not practice. But this, of course, mm-hmm. is a luxury afforded to someone of a higher status, mm-hmm. like in the society. So the chances of this happening are slim. A midwife would be. There's a better chance of it being a midwife than it is being a doctor because midwives were kind of seen as lower than the physicians. Mm-hmm. So like that definitely could be a thing. But based on how these women were killed, I'm tending to lean on it was a man. So the associate professor of psychology at Penn State Harrisburg is Marissa Harrison. And she has done extensive research into the areas of um, men and women killers gender-specific roles throughout history and how they can inform behaviors for killers. So she kind of bases it down to men are, quote, hunters traditionally, and women traditionally, quote, are gatherers. Um, And the data that she's been pulling from backs this idea up. So she finds that she's been looking at 55 serial killers that are male and 44 serial killers that are women. So based on this research that she's done, she says that male seal killers are more inclined to kill strangers. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of part of that hunter ideology of like finding, of like stalking, hunting, and killing a stranger. Kind of like how you would stalk, hunt, and kill an animal mm-hmm. for like meat. Um, whereas women kind of, she says, gather their, their kills. So whereas a male, you know, hunts, stalks, and kills, a woman is more likely to gather them close, become their friend, learn everything about them, and then kill them. Hmm. Hmm. Um, So women are more likely to kill their friends, and men are more likely to kill a stranger, which is super intriguing. Um, And then that comes around to what is the benefit for these killers? So normally, traditionally... Typically, men uh, kill for the thrill. Mm-hmm. Usually it's some sort of sexual um, or emotional basis for the kill. Mm-hmm. Whereas women were found to kill um, to obtain something from this kill. Mm-hmm. So uh, if the killer, Jack the Ripper, was a woman, I don't see anything that she was obtaining from these murders. A kidney, apparently. Unless she's... <laughs> what? Oh, no, that was really dark. I said a kidney, apparently. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, in one in one case, she did obtain a, a kidney. But based on the, the state of the bodies, like, nothing has been reported that they mm-hmm. was stolen. Mm-hmm. So unless she's one of the exceptions where she was killing for the thrill or some sort of sexual gratification, that could be the case. But typically, that's not how or why women kill. So in her research, she found that for financial gain, 
men were 16% more likely to kill, mm. whereas women were 51.9% oh. more likely to kill. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> right. So if the killer was a woman, you one would assume it's because for financial gain. We have a lot of serial killers that are women that are black widows. Yeah, but I think also that goes into their, their standing in society. If we're thinking men aren't going to do it as much, I think it's also because women were not allowed to achieve their own money until like what late 1900s oh, definitely yeah yeah definitely. so it makes more it um, makes sense yeah and so that's why i would assume that if it was a woman she'd be going after men makes sense unless there is that exception where she's going after women because it's a more of an emotional tie yep. but yeah and then she also found that for a sexual uh a sexual gain of sorts um seven percent of women, female serial killers, were more likely to kill based on sort of some sort of sexual gratification. Mm-hmm. Whereas for males, it was 75% oh. more likely to kill, oh. which is a huge um, like gap in numbers. Yeah. And so when we're talking about these women who are like slit through the throat mm-hmm. and horrifically disemboweled, it feels more of like a sexual gratification and it feels as though, especially when it's sexual organs that are being pulled out or, Mm. you know, maneuvered, that would lend me to the idea that it is for sexual gratification. And then of course, when talking about these murders, you can't not talk about overkill. Um, Overkill is when usually uh, it's done uh, when someone is killed, but then the killer doesn't stop at just the the killing blow. Yeah. Um. So like, if you stab someone, and then you know like that's the killing, like that's the way that that they are dying. Mm-hmm. Um. One, if you one, if one was proceeding to do overkill, they would continuously stab the body. Yeah. Um. Typically. Generally, overkill is done by a man, and it usually is tied to crimes of passion. Mm. So if we're looking at this as a sexual gratification, this overkill is done because we know that they were slashed through the throats, so that's the killing blow, but then they were disemboweled and their sexual organs were usually uh, messed with in some way. Yeah. Which makes you think it's a, a sexual gratification kill with overkill. Mm. Um, which all, for me, points to a man doing this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that there was some DNA testing in 2006. It's very hard to preserve DNA. Yeah. Um, especially all those years ago. But they were able to get um, some small cells, I believe, Um based on I think it's from one of the letters Mm -hmm. and so when we're looking at this again we have to remember there are copycat letters the DNA is very old and it's only a partial profile so there is kind of murmurings that it ties back to Mary Percy who May was talking about yes so this um this professor Ian Fidley did DNA testing on one of the letters he says it's possible that the Ripper could have been female, but the results are inconclusive. Yep. Um, the samples were so old, very small, and poorly preserved, so only a partial profile was built, but it didn't reach forensic standards, um, nor did it in- like identify an individual. And my last point <laughs> is that 
Mary Percy, because you said she was killed shortly after the murders. Yep. And that she killed her lover's wife or girlfriend. Wife at this um, time, because she yeah. was... She just had the baby, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my thought of why it's not Mary Percy is because her kill, based mm-hmm. on what I've been what we've been talking about, was a gathering type of kill. So she yeah. brought her lover's wife to her. Mm-hmm. She killed her in the same way that Jack the Ripper would kill. And I have to believe that she did this so that she wouldn't be caught. Because the idea would be, let me, I'm upset. This is an emotional thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill my lover's wife and her baby because she wasn't able to be the wife or have the baby. Yeah. Um, and she then most likely killed these two, the, the baby and, and the mother. Yeah. Um, in the way, so it looked like Jack the Ripper, so she could get away with it. And she also dropped them off in the street. Now, <laughs> clearly it was not her as Jack the Ripper, because had she had all this practice leading up to this, no, it would have yeah. been a much cleaner kill and she would have gotten away with it. That's a good point. That's a good point. Boom. <laughs> and that's why I think it's a man. Well, but you also say gather and... If we're thinking of people that these women would have trusted and they aren't prostitutes, they could have been friends with the person that killed them. Mm-hmm. Which That's I, true. I did say a little bit earlier on because, like, there a lot of the women did have friends that did the same exact thing as them on these streets and tried to take care of one another on the streets. So it very much could have been that type of thing but i you do make some really good points there i am still gonna lean on it being possibly a woman but we're never going to actually know in my own opinion if it was a man or a woman just because one we don't have a time machine and two we don't have the dna testing to ever reach that point i think of figuring out who it was but Yeah, you do make some good points with the overkill and also the idea that it could be a sexually driven matter. I also Mm -hmm. think that women are very emotional creatures and could have been like a spider's web, gathered each individual one of these women who've fallen on bad times, maybe similar to them, and out of self-loathing killed them. But that that timeline is crazy. That's definitely a possibility. Um, And that's why I always say, like, (laughs) typically, generally, (laughs) because... I mean, again, we'll never know. I'd be super curious to see how DNA evolves over yeah. time. Because it's only very recently that we've been able to even use DNA testing. Wasn't it um, like 1960s, 1970s when it was finally accepted in the courts, at least in America? I believe so. Because um, before they used to do fiber analysis. And yes. that was kind of deemed the standard. But I think with all of the like the 23andMe's and um, the Ancestry tests. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if there is some sort of biological component where we have this small, very small sample size of DNA and seeing if that could somehow relate back to a living person and Mm -hmm. kind of go up their family tree and figure out who it might have been during that time period. Yeah. Um, That's a stretch. It's a little bit. Yeah. I also did just look up to see when America started using DNA in -hmm. courts. I am completely wrong. It is 1986. 1986. You're off by like 
20 years. 20 years is a lot. That's a whole person. But 1986, that's like, yeah, it's it's still incredibly new. Incredibly useful, but incredibly new. Yeah. But I still, I, I feel so much love and sadness for these women after reading in uh, about them from the five. They all could have lived such better lives as society was nicer to women. And they had the means to escape their husbands. Because every one of these people needed a divorce. And they couldn't have been afforded a divorce either because of how mm-hmm. prevalent, like, purity culture and, oh, yeah. and, like, society was this time period. Um, oh, and another yeah. really good book to read is The Divorce Colony, which Ooh. talks about, technically it's women in America, so not... Um, England, mm-hmm. but how the history of divorce and how it has evolved over time and how mm-hmm. I think it was South Dakota was the only state that allowed women to have a divorce. And so there'd be like this mass exodus to South Dakota to, to get divorced. Wow. Okay. All right. That's intriguing. That's <laughs> so I'll put that in the show notes too. <laughs> That's cool. Well, you know, women's rights. Yes. Yeah. Support women's rights, please. Uh, but, oh, also one thing I wanted to know, Catherine or Kate Edouise, how, how were you saying mm-hmm. that, Edouise? Not that one. Elizabeth Stride. Oh, yes. The one that was first killed before Catherine, Kate, mm-hmm. possibly may not have been killed by Jack the Ripper. There was a note. Interesting. It was a note in the book by Hallie because there was actually an interruption. Apparently, mm-hmm. um... There was a man walking down the street, heard Elizabeth screaming, heard her say a word in Swedish that could have been translated to, like, killer. And Mm. he just assumed it was, uh, you know, a marital dispute and that (laughs) it had nothing to do with him. Uh, We love we love that time period. And so he left and. I think it was him who eventually did find Elizabeth's body. So that could have been Jack or it could not have been Jack because Jack was really good at not being heard or found. But that could have very much have been the interruption if it was. But there was also Hallie made a point, and I don't know where it is in this book because I have everything marked all throughout this book. But it was a very interesting thought of if it wasn't, could it have been a copycat that killed Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Or could it have been Jack? And he was definitely interrupted then uh, by that man hearing him and Elizabeth and then went on to kill Kate that night. Very intriguing. And unfortunately, what sucks is that we'll never know. We will never know. But these poor women, they need a lot more recognition than this killer ever did. Most of them were not prostitutes. Most of them were just women trying to escape a bad life. And they deserve better than this. Yes, they deserve better than being known as the five canonical desk. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is so sad to me now because I never took the time to really learn about them. And now I will tell everyone about them, even if they don't want to know. I'm joking. I'm joking. I will always ask permission to talk about Jack the Ripper. But I think it's, it's really important to showcase the victims and, yes. and say their names, especially especially when they're women. Yes. Um, yes. And it's a male who is killing them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. These poor, poor women. But I think that is everything I had on Jack the Ripper. Is there anything else you wanted yeah. to add? No, just um, thank you to <laughs> all the incredible women who are doing all this research. Oh, yeah. Um, Hallie Ribbonfold um, and 
Marissa Harrison mm-hmm. and Susan Hughes who are doing mm-hmm. um, sex differences and serial killers. Just doing, put it in the good work. Yeah. And make sure all of these women are accounted for. Yeah. And that's it. So <laughs> next episode will be a magic episode. Um, so we'll see you for that one. Our intro and outro music are Forest Lullaby by artist LSFM. Thank you to Nick for editing this podcast. We'd love if you could rate us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It really helps uh, promote us in the algorithm and helps our discoverability. You can follow us on social media, which is Magic Manuscripts Trips and Mysteries on Instagram and Twitter. Actually, I believe on Twitter it is MMNM2022. Mm-hmm. You can always email us at magicmanuscriptsmysteries at gmail.com. And link to all of our research, which there was a ton, can be found in our show notes on our website, which is magicmanuscriptsmysteries.wordpress.com. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.